Hey guys, welcome to the Laying Foundations Podcast. This is your co-host, Davis Hamrick. Joining alongside me, and always, is Mr. Walker Lott. What's up, Walker? What's up, Davis? Man, you're in my neck of the woods. How's it going? Good, man. I, it's like, I, I think I saw you last night. Maybe something like that. I know. Got to see you and hang out and get uh, get to talk a little bit, see how you're doing. How's how's your day? You got a little OSHA 40-hour training going on? OSHA 30. OSHA 30. OSHA 30. Yeah, it's my That's right. Day, day three at the... Uh, B&G office in Atlanta. I was went back in November, did day one and two in Birmingham. But now, hey, I'm in Atlanta now getting to learn how to be OSHA certified, be a competent person. Um, OSHA round yeah. two, because we got That's ours right. in college. That's right. I think, is it five times and you're allowed to teach OSHA class? I don't know, something like that. Maybe I'll know, be able to teach it one day. Who knows? But man, today was awesome. Talking a little bit about OSHA, bring back the trades, you know, it's, construction related as is everything we do on this podcast but steve turner was awesome he he was a firecracker starting off the gate but man he is passionate about all that he does incredible we talk a lot about mindset it's huge he runs ultra marathons which just sounds awful but it's really cool to hear him talk about it and just the mindset that that he takes into it because it used to not be that way. And it's something that is a muscle. It's something that you have to work on every single day. Otherwise it, it's going to wear out and it's not going to help you. What you think of it, Davis? Well, first off, I didn't know, are we a construction related podcast? I mean, you act like uh, sometimes. You know, yeah. Okay. Okay. Just wanted to follow up there. Every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Steve, I mean, he's a great guy. He sounded uh, enthusiastic about everything he's doing. Um, just getting to spend a little bit of time, even though it's not face-to-face, one day we'll get there. But, man, just his perspective. And I could you could see him pause. You could see the the wheels turning. You could see him, how he's thinking. But just what he does on a day-to-day basis, how he trains, his mindset. He only gets three hours of sleep. He's a, he's a guy that I know we probably oversay it, but he works hard. And there seems to be this trend with entrepreneurs, but also people in the trades of, it's hard work and they're not willing to, to, to sweat and they're not willing to get after it. They're, they're willing to, to have sacrifices for a long-term game. Going back to, to Keith Johnson, short-term pleasure or long-term reward. And it's start, I'm starting to see this trend and I'm just extremely thankful for what he does. Steve is founder of Bring Back the Trades where he's going in and he's speaking to not only kids, but to the parents and to the educators about what it takes to be in a trade to show them that it's a it's a good career path. It's not all just uh, a dirty construction worker or a dirty person that never come or never is going to be able to provide for the family. Guys, the trades can literally change your life. It, it's hard work, like he said, but if you're willing to go outside the the box and be willing to work hard every single day, you're going to be able to provide for your family and never have to worry day in your life. No, I couldn't have said it better myself. Let's go ahead and jump in. Without further ado, Steve Turner. Steve, welcome to the show. We're pumped to have you on. We already had a, a pretty cool pre-show discussion here, a little bit about your your ultra marathons. Uh, that might come up later in the show, might not, but it was it was awesome. So excited to learn a little bit more about you. So to begin with, who are you? What do you do? And where are you from? Well, first, I'd like to say thank you both of you guys for having me on. It's, it's a pleasure. Um, my name is Steve Turner. I own Turner's Upholstery in Rhine, New Hampshire. We're about, Rhine, New Hampshire is like uh, an hour from Boston and an hour from Portland, Maine. So if people don't know where okay. Rye is, a lot of people are like, where's, where's Rye, New Hampshire? <laughs> so anyways, I, um, I own Turner's Upholstery in Rhine, New Hampshire. I started my company when I was 19 years old, right out of high school. Um, what we do here is we do 
custom interiors for cars, um, not just not just custom, but we if you have a cigarette burn or you have a, a truck seat that's all torn up, we can take the cover off, replace the panel. Um, we do carpets, we do headliners in cars, we do uh, a lot of convertible tops. So we do a lot of convertible tops. So we're a full-blown auto upholstery shop. Um, I've been in business 32 years uh, yesterday, actually. Wow, congratulations. Yeah. Congrats. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, I got one guy that's been with me 17 years. Um, he's from California. With you know, when I first started my company in 1989, there was probably about 20 upholstery shops. Now there's two, mm. and that's where it comes in. And that's where Bring Back the Trades comes into the play. Is you know, I was trying to get people to work for me for like the last 10 years, and just literally nobody, you know, nobody even answered the calls. Nobody called me and. You know, I kept talking to all my friends, like, you know, we just, we need to do something because the younger generation just isn't like into it anymore. So um, I came up with a hat that said, bring back the trades. And when I say I came up with a hat, it wasn't, it was not what it is today. The full blown, actually, you know, nonprofit organization. It was, it wasn't that in a nutshell, I came up with a hat and uh, one of my friends that is a high end builder came by one day and with my, when I was wearing my hat, he goes, where'd you get the hat? And I said, I made it. He goes, I need 12 of them. And the hat had a hammer and a saw on it. So it was like a construction thing. It's awesome. And I said, really? He goes, you know, I, that's, I've been preaching that forever. The, you know, the trades are dying and get, get, get me 12 of them. So I called my buddy. He says, can you get me 12 of them? I said, absolutely. So I gave them to him. Still not thinking anything of it. A couple weeks later, one of uh, his friends comes by. It's a plumber. He says, can you put a plumber emblem, emblem on there? I said, well, yeah, I'm sure I can do it. Let me call Rich. Rich is in a problem. An electrician wanted one. So I said, well, maybe I can sell these. Not even really just I'll sell them. So I created a Facebook page and I started selling them. So I was, I had them like in every state in the United States. And one of my friends comes by and uh, his, his mother had just passed away and his father was a welder. And uh, he says, you know, I just gave the money I got from my mother passing away. I just donated to the Portsmouth High School. To their trade wing that's where i went to school he says well why don't you take the uh, the hats create like a non-profit and take the money and create a scholarship program so i came up with the idea the construction guy kind of pushed it out there and then he came by so it was a three-part thing as far as how it how it got organized and then two years went by and i said you know what i gotta really do something with this because uh tax time came and i had to pay taxes personally because it wasn't non-profit so um had a friend of mine you know she was really good with uh paperwork so she basically did all the paperwork she pretty much got all the paperwork done became a nonprofit in july of 2019 now we have a full board uh we have full line of apparel which you can see behind me um we have a tent that we so what we do is we go around to events in the summertime we go around to ice cream places. We go do all the car shows. We go to um, restaurants, anywhere that they'll take us. We set up outside, outside or in the restaurant. We sell our apparel and we educate the kids about that you don't have to go to college, you know, to make a living. And backtrack, we're not against college because my son graduated from Quinnipiac College two years ago. Awesome. He's working for Dynatrace um, in Wilmington, Mass. We couldn't be proud of him. You know, he chose that field because he tried to work for me and, he didn't, you know, he didn't have it. And I said, you know what, you do what you, you do, what makes you happy. So yeah. we your audience has to know that we're not against college. We're not here to, to bash college. We're here 
you know, for the kids like me, when I was 19 years old, I did not want to go to college and there was nobody guiding me to what I wanted, even though I was lucky enough to, you know, in my day, in my school, I took automotive for two years. That's how I got into the car industry. And that's how I got the job in the upholstery shop. But so my whole mission is to go out and educate. And I've learned more. It's not about educating the kids. It's about educating the parents of what the trades are. Because we all know the trades today, you guys are a lot younger than me, but the (laughs) the trades of today are not the trades of of yesterday. My father used to work at a rubber plant. He came home smelling of rubber every day, trap, you know, covered in covered in rubber. Today, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I really I, I want to talk about bring back the trades, but Steve, I want to go back a little bit further. I want to go back to really your background because we love to hear about people's story and how they got there. You told us, you told us you were at 19, you started your own business. And I'm yep. just thinking that in itself, you know, I'm hearing that and thinking about who you are and also you're telling us about being an ultra runner and the mindset you kind of have. So tell me a little bit about what got you into wanting to start the car upholstery. I know you just mentioned you took uh, two years of automotive, but what was that growing up? What was that that you wanted to start this this company and be in the trades? Well, how if so? Basically, I was taking two years in automotive. I was um, I was a painter, so I loved the body work, but I was actually a painter, and I really loved it. That was going to be my career. I was working at Shaw's at the time in the, in the uh, produce department. And I'm like, you know, I really want to, you know, find a different job. And there was a, a business card on the door of our classroom that said sweeping floors at a poultry shop. So I went and interviewed and I'm like, wow, this is cool. The, the guys were really cool. So I took the job my first year, you know, like after school, I went in there, swept the floors, um, went to, you know, pick up the trash, clean the bathrooms, pretty much everything they, they told me to do. Second year, I got my license. I was able to do a little bit more. And they they really, we bonded with the boss and they really liked me. So they gave me the keys if I wanted to work on my own truck at mm. night. So oh, I started cool. sewing and stuff at night, stayed there for hours. My mother used to say, hey, you know, you coming home? I just really loved it. Um, I graduated when I was 18 years old. So I worked one full year before I started my company. Um, really started learning the trade. I was doing a little bit of work as far as, you know, selling it through my old boss, but I wasn't doing a lot. I was pretty much hands on, you know, helping out. And then in 1989, uh, I think it was November of 1989, the, we just, we went through a severe uh, recession and he laid everybody off. So I said to my father, I'm like, you know, I wish, you know, I could make this go. And he goes, well, I got this one little garage. A friend of mine owns a garage. He might let you start a business. So at 19 years old in, in December, I started my own little business. It wasn't easy. Um, I had to actually live in my shop for almost a whole year, not through a winter, wow. but like almost a whole year. Hmm. I actually took uh, showers under a garden hose. This is <laughs> this is a true story. That's wow. I was the kind of person, I'm going to make this work. Um, and I started my company with $3,000. I bought a sewing machine. Within the first week, I think I was like literally broke. Hmm. Um so I struggled severely, you know, um, in 08, when the, the, we hit the, uh, the other uh, recession, you know, my business took a severe hit then too. So I've been up and down. Um, but literally, it was a severe, severe struggle. I look back now and, you know, many 24 hour nights, um, trying to keep, you know, trying to get as much work in there to pay bills, because once you get behind, 
but I was fortunate enough to just have that mindset that I'm going to just make this work. I mean, my family, I remember my family multiple times telling me, Steve, get a job, close it down, get a job. I mean, it was almost like a, uh, what do they call that when they sit you down uh, and they talk to you? Intervention. <laughs> yes. I remember, I remember sitting in the backyard and my family's going, Steve, you know, you, you, you're just too far behind. You're never going to make this work. And I said, I'm going to make it work. And I, I did, you know? Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. that honestly, the one thing I noticed there is that when you first got the job at, at the automotive shop or at the poultry shop that you took a job sweeping floors. I mean, that says a lot about who you are as a person, yeah. you know, cause some people might look at that and say, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to sweep the floors and, and take out the trash. You know, I, I want to do something a little bit more glamorous than that. But well, like, you no, know, I'm... that was 32 years ago. So the mindset yeah. 32 years ago and the mindset today is just a little different. Yeah, right. a little different, Walker, but still, though, I mean, that, that goes back to, to what Jason Phelps said about how he grew up, too, was he went as a laborer and swept and picked up sawdust, but he had his tools with him. And so whenever he had the opportunity, wow, OK, I need someone to be a carpenter and learn it. There you go. Yeah, yeah. no, and exactly. I was lucky enough. And I, I hate to say this, but, you know, I hate to use this story that we we grew up with no money because, you know, you hear that from everybody, you know, it's but we actually, you know, grew up with no money. Uh, we heated our house with wood. I mean, mm. we would have to come home every day after school, cut wood, load wood. Um, I had to mow lawn. So I'm actually thankful that I grew up that way because it taught me how to grind it out. I mean, it mm -hmm. just, it, it, you know, when you're, when you have to work hard as a young kid, it gets, it gets instilled you and it, it follows you. It does. Yeah. You really started this. I mean, you started your business out of necessity more than anything, which is incredible in and of itself so how how has your mindset of growing your business over the last 30 plus years kind of changed as you've matured yourself and honestly as as the company's matured that approach going forward well the biggest thing i've learned is how to bill out work <laughs> i mean it sounds awful but you know i was never you know i never went to school for business so i made some 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 really bad i wouldn't say bad decisions but um, I didn't know, I was always too nice. And, you know, if I worked a lot of hours, I felt like I was charging too much money. Um, and then when I got, you know, my first, my first employee and, you know, realized that, you know, you got to make money to keep these guys working. Um, I took some courses and I didn't take them courses, but I did some research and, you know, I got QuickBooks. I studied it. I learned it. Um, I realized that, you know, you have to bill for every hour or you're not going to succeed. Then I also learned that, uh, you know, in order to make money, you got to spend money. So I actually, one of my suppliers comes by once a month and I started buying materials in bulk, huge bulk. So my gotcha. shop, believe it or not, I have everything in stock. I have every mit. So I've spent, you know, a lot of money buying materials wow. at cheap, cheap so that I'm saving on shipping and all of that, which I, you know, it's easy to say that now because when you're a business and you're just starting out and you're not financially backed by a bank or a business owner or a family member, it's hard to do because I hate to tell people that's this is what you got to do because I've been on the other side and not had any money. So you can only do in business what the financial bank account will allow you to do. Yeah. But that's what yeah. I've learned is, you know, the biggest thing is I've learned is how to bill out for a job. Yeah, I mean, it's smart. It's part of the strategy. You know, we, I have a vendor that I work with and, and they bought a pipe 
they, they saw the market the way it was going they do a lot with pipe they they manufacture it you know i'm not going to say too much on on the camera but yeah. they uh they saw the market downturn so the owner's like you know what this might be an issue so they bought an unbelievable amount i mean millions of dollars worth of it and now they're they're sitting pretty they have yeah. backups just in case they can't get it in yeah. and so their business is going to constantly go yeah like it's a convertible top that we have to special order any seat repair any fastener any roll of foam glue literally i can run my shop probably for a year without ordering one thing so but i, I mean that's taken me years of taking money that I could have spent on myself or my family. I mean, you know, buying luxury things and I put it back into the business. Mm-hmm. Right. Steve, we've been talking a little bit about, you know, how, how you came up through, through the, your car shop and how you became a business owner. And I'm really fascinated because you said you talked about working hard, but I also hear about how you kind of learned from your failure. Like you knew at, at that times, like those 24 hour nights, you learned from, I'm not billing people. Talk about just learning from your failures because if there's one lesson, I think that the kids that want to come into construction, if they can just hear that advice, man, that would change their life. Um, geez, you know, that's a hard question to answer. Say, I mean, say that again, not that I mean to ask you a question, but my, what is it again? Just what would you tell the kids about the advice of learning from your failure? Like, what would you tell them? How do you get over that? You know, what, what comes from learning from your failure? How do you pick yourself back up? Because you're a guy that does it. And if you don't think it, I mean, just listen to you talking about your ultra uh, runner marathons. Um, you mean, I know that's not failure, but that's just a completely different mindset that a whole bunch of people on this world don't have. And so I just want to hear about how, how your mindset, uh, you know, carries you through that. I don't know if I have an answer for that one. I've never been asked that question before. I don't know if I have an answer. <laughs> I seriously don't. We'll know let you I think. Have. We'll let you think about it. We'll come back to it. Yeah. Steve, yeah. let's jump into yeah. to bring back the trades a little bit. Yep. So you know, you mentioned starting it with with a hat and kind yep. of growing it from there. Yep. So it seems like you sold these hats for quite some time until you started uh, really vamping up the process of it. Yep. And I know you, you have the same goals and ideals that we have of just the trades are a necessity. Construction is an awesome, incredible industry. And there's there's so much opportunity in it for people that go to school and who don't. It doesn't really yep. matter. You know, there's yep. many areas in both of it. Yep. You know, what do you what do you see bring back the trades doing? You kind of what is your goal with it and, and how do you see it expanding in the future? Yeah. Well, my ultimate goal, um, I actually just told that for the first time, even my wife. My ultimate goal is I live in New Hampshire. New Hampshire does not have a lot of trade schools. Mm. They have a lot, I mean, schools after high school, let's put it that way. Construction Mm. is one of them that they basically, they can't get enough kids to to fill the classes. So the the schools are closing. So my ultimate goal down the road would have to be a bring back the trades school in New Hampshire. That's my ultimate goal. I love that. That's my ultimate goal. so I'm talking to some people and stuff like that. I mean, that we're talking five, 10 years, however long it takes. But, you know, like my wife says, well, if you say it's a goal, you know, you've crushed everything else. You'll get that too. I said, well, that's going to take not just me. That's going to take some, you know, a lot of people to do. Um, but my other goal is too, is, you know, to get, bring back the trades. And I've already talked about this to other people into like, more states. I'm working with mm-hmm. uh, Canada right now. We're hoping to eventually have a bring back to trades in Canada. Um, yeah. I have a person right there. I'm working with a person right now. Uh, I meet with her three times a week. Her name's Stephanie Brown. She's uh, yeah. really helped me out. 
she's in Ontario, Canada. Um, but I see it going into, you know, every, every state um, to make it easier and maybe the state will work because that way, because what happens now is, you know, I get funding from all the states, but like I'll get funding from like a construction company in New Hampshire and they're like, well, can we have our money go towards somebody in New Hampshire? And you know what I'm saying? They want to kind of like keep their money in that state. So if you can right. do that down the road, have a bring back trades in each state. Right. If you have a company giving the money to them, it would stay in their state, which right now, if somebody gives me money, I have to be honest with them and say, you know what? Our scholarships are available in every state. So I can't promise you that. I can, you know, hope, hope that happens, but I can't promise you that. But I tell them our ultimate goal is to bring back the trades. It's not about you giving me money. And, right. you know, I tell people it's not about you giving me money and giving you an employee or giving the scholarship, your money to somebody in your field, because that's not what we're about. We're about bringing back all the trades, not just one, all of them. So they have to realize that it's, you know, it, they're helping out with their scholarship money they're giving. They're helping the whole nation. It's just like what Miss Jennifer Lacey says, owning your impact. It's not about, you know, where the money's going, but it's helping, generally helping the trades, men and women that do so much for, to allow me to, I mean, we're being a hotel tonight safely, you know, just, just that thought, but let's talk more about that. Um, before actually, before we go into that, if you ever have an idea about the school thing, you can go ahead and pencil me and walk around. We're here to help. Heck you. Yeah. I don't know how, awesome. but we'll do whatever we can, but well, let's talk about how you mentioned. Um, I, I mentioned it earlier with Adam Hoots educating oh, yeah. the educators, but you just talked about how I really got to educate the parents. Talk a little bit about what you're doing in that realm. Well, I've got some wicked, amazing news. So I was running the other night, last Friday night, and I'm like, because I get emails from parents all the time saying, hey, and I'm like, well, where do you live? What's he want to do? Well, we don't know what he wants to do or she wants to do. So I'm out running. And I'm like, how do I fix this problem? Mm -hmm. So I work really closely with the Seco School of Technology in Exeter, New Hampshire. They're a school that feeds new fields. They feed like five different schools. So five schools take buses to their school and they take their trades classes there. Five different. So uh, Sharon Wilson, she's the principal. She's been working really close with me. And I'm like, how do I fix this problem? So I approached her and I said, hey, I had this idea. Let me, let me put it across to you. I said, what I want to do is I've got Adam Hoots and a couple of people that have channels like you do, YouTube, Instagram, and they do, they do lives. So I said to Sharon, I'm like, what if we do this? What if we do a live broadcast with your school? So we have your principal, your, your, your student counselors, and a couple of teachers on, online. We have parents that come in. You, you can sit there, the teacher questions, and you can answer them live. And she like, she says like, that's an unbelievable house, unbelievable idea. So what it's going to be is, so starting January 10th, uh, actually, I think it's the week of the 10th, we're going to do our first one. It's going to be their school. So everybody can go on the, onto those um, platforms and they can ask a question to anyone that's on there, whether it's a teacher, they can, they can do that and they can get a live answer. Of course, we won't, if it's a hit, we won't be able to answer all of them. But so my idea is to have a different school each week or each, you know, each month which I've got schools like all of a sudden, like fighting all over. So the parents in any state can say, hey, you know what, what's in your school? And you can say that the school can say, well, we have wood shop, we have early childhood care, we have metal shop, 
okay, can I talk to the teacher? I have questions for teacher. So now it's gonna be a live open house for every school throughout the whole country on my platform. That's incredible. No, I, I think that's awesome. It, and allows the schools to get out there and, and showcase who they are and, yep. and what they do, how they can help their students. And yep. it's also a, a Q&A for the parents who are not questioning it. Where does, where does a lot of your funding and everything come from? Kind of what all do you private, rely on? All private, all private. All private donations. But, you know, I'm over $100,000 now and I have not. And the, the best thing about it is I don't solicit. If somebody asks me how they can help me, the first thing I say is spread the word. Um, because before I forget, because I sometimes forget our biggest problem at bring back the trades, which is sounds horrible, reaching the kids to give the money away. I mean, I'm in every state in the United States. I should have a hundred essays every single day, but we're not reaching the kids. Yeah. So that's my biggest problem. Um, but what I found out was, and the reason why I'm not reaching the kids is I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. Okay, so I went to uh, the Sequel School of Technology. They had me for an open house. As soon as people come in, they're going to hit you first. So every parent came over to me. They took my brochures, which I'm yeah, right here. Uh, so I had brochures that I hand out. They took them home. The next week, I had 25 applicants. And I'm wow. like, okay, I, I know why, because I'm not reaching the kids. Kids will fill them out if they're if they're in desperate need or I maybe mean, they're all in desperate need. But if they need the money really bad, they'll go looking for scholarships. The average kid, you know, will the, par the parents are like, hey, have you looked for scholarships? Have you done that? So by doing this online thing and having live stuff all over the, the nation, they'll find out about me. So I'm bringing them to the, the, the platform to get information, but they're going to see about me. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a, it's a genius. Twofold. Yeah, it's a, it's a genius. We got to yeah. get you on TikTok too. I don't know if how, if you know about about that, but <laughs> I'm on it. But you know what? It's just you know I. <laughs> I know. I'm. You should do one when you're old. running, huh? You should do one when you're running. I know. No, I mean it's it's tough. Walker and I are trying to crack it too. It's 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 it's, well, it's, it's difficult. I ask everybody this: I how do I put a business on TikTok, or how right. do I do something? Right. At yeah. a value. I know what you mean. It just yeah. made me think. So we haven't talked about it yet. And you said to be careful because you might get distracted. But whenever I run, it's not as much, as often as you, but I get a lot of ideas and kind of just clear headspace. Is that what you're – I feel like this is where you get a lot of your motivation from. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when I'm doing these races, I'm out there for four days nonstop. And, <laughs> you know, I have a lot of – you know, like I said, I, I came up with that idea running through the woods just, you know, because I'm constantly – Cause when I'm running, I'm just, um, I'm just, I don't think it's the only time where, cause obviously I'm a business owner. I'm thinking about my business all the time, but when I'm running, I don't think about my business. I think about bringing back the trades and how I can expand it. Thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast today. We cannot tell you how thankful we are for every single one of our listeners. And we genuinely want to know and learn about you a little bit more. So if you're interested, uh, maybe sending us a question or just saying, Hey, or wanted to talk to us a little bit, please reach out to us at contact at laying-foundations.com. If, if you didn't hear that, didn't understand it, you can go in our show notes and just click on the link and write us an email. Please, we would absolutely love to hear from you. Seriously, me and Davis get excited every single time we get an email from one of our listeners. It, it, it genuinely makes our day. But if you want to find out a little bit more about us uh, via social media, Davis is going to tell you a little bit how to do that. 
Yeah, thanks, Walker. Guys, like Walker said, reach out to us any way you can. We appreciate feedback, whether you like it or not. You know, it helps us grow in any way. We're welcome. We're, we're here to listen. And whenever you guys tell us, we're going to try to implement that into our strategy. But how to get in contact with us on social media. We have a LinkedIn account called the Lang Foundations Podcast. We have uh, Walker, Walker Lott's LinkedIn profile. We have Davis Hambrick LinkedIn profile. We have a TikTok page called Lang.Foundations. We have an Instagram page, Lang Foundations. And then, you know, that's where we're at. These are all down in the in the show notes. But, guys, we just want to put this out there. And however you want to get in contact with us, we're, we're, we're imploring you, please, just reach out to us. We'll respond. We'll get back to you. And we want to hear from you. That that you're the reason, one of the reasons why we're doing this. We want to hear from you. We want to hear feedback. How can we grow and how can we get better? Because like we said before, um, receiving accountability and receiving feedback is one of our core values. And that defines Walker and I at our core. We want to hear your feedback and we want to be be held accountable. <laughs> <laughs>